appreciated. Let us now turn then to John chapter 2 and verse 11, where you will find our text, and especially these words, and manifested forth his glory. And manifested forth his glory. Now here we have this well-known incident of the Lord changing the water into wine. It was an obscure setting for a miracle in Cana of Galilee. You would imagine a miracle like this would have perhaps been better served if it was up to us anyway been performed in Jerusalem where more people would know where information would pass out isn't that the obsession of our generation it is an obsession to pass out information to as many as possible with modern technology all these things it's an obsession and yet this was not the way of God. This miracle was done in Cana of Galilee. God uses the weak things. And the things that are not to confound those things that are that no man would glory in the flesh. Are you weak here today, friend? Do you feel weak? Has God brought you down that you feel weak? Well, you're the very type of person that the Lord can use. He doesn't use the great and the mighty and the powerful. And here we are reminded of this, that it is in Cana of Galilee, an obscure place. You know how the Jews thought about Galilee, didn't they? They talked derogatory about Christ being that Galilean. You think when Peter was challenged by that little girl, Art thou also of Galilee, she says. And yet this is where the Lord chose this miracle to be performed. This is the way of God. And what an honourable setting for a miracle at a marriage. Marriage is despised in our day, isn't it? It's perverted. It's corrupted. And yet we read in Genesis 2 of the institution of marriage. Let us not give it over to the world. Let us hold the marriage between a man and a woman in highest esteem, <coughs> remembering that it is the institution of the Lord himself, an honourable setting for America. And the Lord was there. 
how dishonourable it is to have our marriage without the Lord. It's becoming more and more common, isn't it, in our days. Those that do get married, weddings are carried out in all sorts of places, in the open fields, tops of mountains, wherever the whim of man is. But is Christ there? That is the important thing. Now we might run away with some fantasy Christianity at this moment. Now you might say, is there such a thing? Of course there is. One strand of fantasy Christianity is, well, if the Lord is there, everything will go just smoothly. There won't be a hitch. We have plenty of fantasy religion nowadays, don't we? Health, wealth, and happiness. And you see, the very opposite happens. Yes, the Lord was there, but things didn't work out just smoothly. In fact, there's a great crisis arises, a great crisis. They're running out of wine. They're running out of wine. A great crisis arose. Ah, you see, let us not have a fantasy religion thinking that, well, if the Lord is in something, it will all go smoothly and everything will run nicely. No, we see here that they've run out of wine. This is a fallen world. Things don't go smoothly. Things don't run normally, whether the Lord is in it or not. <coughs> so don't imagine, friends, uh, perhaps today you're saying, well, you know, <coughs> I have this adventure. Perhaps you are seeking to undertake something for the Lord and you're hitting troubles. And difficulties, oh, and the temptation is, oh, well, I better give it up, friends. I better give it up. Not at all. If it is in accordance with the word of God, you persevere. You stick at it. That's the standard. Not whether things work out or not. You see, this very trouble was an opportunity in the providence of God, in the sovereignty of God, for Christ to manifest his glory. To manifest his glory. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee and manifested forth his glory manifested forth his glory well seeking the help of the Lord having had these few words of introduction let us now turn to the text itself and examine what we find in this text 
and looking to the Lord to bless it to us this morning. The Lord himself manifested forth his glory. Well, there are two thoughts I would like to bring before you for your meditation today. The first is this. He manifested his glory. Let us think about that for a few moments. And then the second thing we will look at is the effect it had on the disciples. And his disciples believed on him. <coughs> they believed on him. These two things, then, as the Lord will help us for a few moments. First of all, then, his glory. Who else could manifest the glory of Christ but Christ himself? It had to be so. Well, we know that um, he alone, as God and man, was able to manifest his glory not only perfectly but perfectly suited for every situation. <coughs> Are you ever stuck for words? You're never stuck for words. Are you never stuck to know what to do? Isn't that part of our condition? We don't know. But Christ as God and man knew exactly how to manifest his glory in this situation. He has to do it. Because we cannot comprehend it if he doesn't. Have you ever thought about that? Who else is suitable to do it? Now, he may use means. He does. He uses uh, very imperfect means, doesn't he? We read in uh, the Epistle to the Corinthians that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the glory would be of God and not of man. But here you see he alone is equipped to manifest his glory as the God-man. And how he did it, so wonderful. First of all, we see this aspect of his glory, the glory of his word. The glory of his word. He manifested his glory in the command. What did he not do in that command? He didn't command the water to change into wine. Did he? You read what it says there. He says, Fill the water pots. Draw it out. There's no command. 
to change the water into wine. There's no command. It's really there in verse uh, six, uh, verse seven, sorry. Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. Have you ever noticed that in this miracle? He didn't say to the water, change into wine. Because he didn't need to. His will was in his word. And this is part of his glory. His will was in his word. And it's part of the glory of Christ manifesting himself. You see, think of the gospel for a moment. There's a power in the word we can't understand. Oh, we believe it's there, all right. Think of some of the miracles he did. In Mark chapter 2, the healing of that man that had the palsy. He commanded him. The pool of Bethesda was the same. It was just commanded. There was the other one who lay in the bed. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. It was a command of the impossible. And yet you see, this sets forth, this manifests the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ. He just needs to command. And his will is in the command. Yes, he doesn't say change into wine. He manifested his <coughs> glory. The power of his word. Let us not denigrate the power of the word of Christ. Ah, we're so full of unbelief, aren't we? So full of unbelief. We're so apt to perhaps speak to somebody and um, perhaps somebody asks you a question and you, and you seek to answer them the best you can. Then you walk away and you think, oh, I never, I never give them any scripture to think about. It's unbelief, isn't it? We think we can do it ourselves. We think we can persuade people with perhaps our own wisdom. No, friends, here we see the glory of Christ in his word. In his word. The will is there. The power is there in the word. He didn't need to command the water to be changed into wine. He just said to the to the servants there. Fill it up. <coughs> Take it out. And so it was. A 
Have we manifested that glory to you? It's a good question, isn't it? Is he still manifesting that glory to you? It's the word. The word of God that has blessed your soul. You know, I worry today that as a church we're putting far too much weight on the word of man. Far too much. And not enough on the word of God. The glory of Christ then in his word. It had to be manifested because unless he shows us that we will remain in ignorance forever. And he knows how to do it perfectly on every occasion. He manifested the glory of his word. He manifested secondly he manifested his grace. His grace and his mercy. What a predicament to be in at the start of your marriage. Now everybody who gets married wants the day to go well, don't they? They want the day to go well. They don't want to be any hitches. They don't want to have any troubles. Well, many people get married and the day doesn't run the way they'd planned. <coughs> there are difficulties and hitches and troubles. What a predicament for this poor couple to be in. This poor couple. We're not told that it was a, a grand, a grand setting. It wasn't a castle or some great five-star hotel. No, we understand that these weddings would have taken place in the house. In the house. And of course, they would they would have uh, put on what they could, but they were obviously poor because they ran out of wine. Now we know also we understand anyway from the historians of the Jews that these weddings were informal in the sense that <coughs> our weddings are all formal now. You receive a formal invitation. But in a sense it was the local uh, friends and family would gather to celebrate. <coughs> so there may have been more people there than they expected. It's possible. But whatever. It was beyond their own means to meet the trouble. Beyond their own means to meet the trouble. Oh, what grace and mercy from the Lord when he intervenes in such a situation. 
when it is beyond the means of men and women to help themselves. Do you ever wonder why God orders such hard providences for his people? Perhaps the Lord is bringing you low, friend. Perhaps he's bringing you very low. And you have said to yourself, as this providential experience has continued for you, well, as long as I'm able to do this, I'll be all right. And as things go on, they go on. And it comes to a stage when you are no longer able to do what we would call a red line. That's the modern parlance, isn't it? A red line, the bottom line, if you like. But things have gone way beyond that. Way beyond it. But Christ is there in his grace and in his mercy. And you see the grace the glory of the grace and mercy of Christ here manifested forth by himself that they didn't ask him. Have you noticed that as well from this passage? The bride and groom didn't ask him for his help. It was the Lord's mother, Mary, who uh, brought the problem to light. The couple didn't. Oh, how slow we are to seek the help of the Lord. It doesn't matter if we've been Christians for decades or for a few days. When troubles come, we have our bottom line. We have our red line, if you like. Well, as long as we're able to do this, we'll be all right. And the trouble descends away past it. And yet still we are silent. We are racking our brains, thinking to ourselves, well, what can I do? Ah, but you see, the manifestation of the glory of Christ in his grace. He stoops down to have mercy. He stoops down to have mercy. That's what he did. And it was all to his glory. All to his glory. All the glory of Christ. How he manifests it. Do you see it today? Is that what brought you to this place today? A spirit of thankfulness for the grace of Christ. Is that what brought you here today? Is it? Or are you just so used to this is your practice? You come to this place on the Lord's Day. How easy it is, isn't it, for us to gather for worship without a true spirit. 
he manifested forth his glory, the glory of his grace and mercy, the glory of his glass. Well, I could go on, but I won't. That's enough, isn't it? The glory of his word and the glory of his grace and mercy. That should be enough for you, sinner. As you sit here today in your sins, that should be enough for you. To make you flee to Jesus Christ as he's offered to you in the gospel. You're utterly guilty before God for the rejection of this Christ. Utterly guilty. And God will require it at your hands. He will require it of you. He manifests forth the glory of his word. He manifests forth the glory of his grace and mercy. What about you who are believers? Have you have you a growing thankfulness to Christ? Is your thankfulness blossoming? The spirit of thankfulness? Is it blossoming? Is it blossoming? Giving forth that Sweet smell, the spirit of thankfulness to Christ. Then secondly, let us move on and notice this. And his disciples believed on him. They believed on him. They believed on him. Now, What does this mean to believe on Christ? Ah, we know the term so well, don't we? We know it so well. We might even say, yes, I'm a believer on Christ. What does it mean? Well, let me, if I may, suggest to you two things. It means forsaking, forsaking, and it means cleaving. Now, we, we read there in uh, Genesis 2 about the institution of marriage, didn't we? And this was the very thing that was required. There was a forsaking and a cleaving. And we have the two things in believing. First of all, there must be a forsaking of our own wisdom. Our own wisdom. Now that is very, very hard for us to do. If we are true disciples, we must continually lean not on our own understanding. <coughs> lean not. We must forsake 
We must deny ourselves the place that we are so prone to give ourselves. What is that place? Have you ever thought about that? What is the place that we are prone to give ourselves? It's God. We're prone to set ourselves up as God. We do what we want. We do what we understand. We do what we think's best. But when it comes to believing on Christ and his disciples believing on him, there must be that forsaking of that very sense. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. None. Not include yourself. I mean, this comes out, you see, so much in the apostles. Isn't it? So much in the apostles. This dread, this fear that they had. We think of the, uh, the apostle Paul and his companions in Acts 17 where they're worshipped there and the, the, the idolaters come and they throw uh, garlands round uh, their necks and they call one uh, one planet and another another planet I can't recall at this precise moment but you know the incident yourself what did they say? we are men of like passions as yourselves telling us that you think that you're the same as we are? There's a forsaking of this idea that we are God. That's what it means to believe. His disciples believed in God and that needs to carry on, friends, your whole lifetime. It is never a sin that you will kill off in this lifetime. Never. You may stand on it. You may chop it off as it grows above the ground. <coughs> It'll be back. This great sin of setting ourselves up as God. His disciples believed on him. But then there is that forsaking there the forsaking of ourselves. And then secondly, there is the cleaving. Absolutely holding on to Christ himself. You know, I was uh, considering recently somewhere else the healing of the, the man who was carried by his four friends. You know the story in Mark chapter 2. He was carried by his four friends and they couldn't get into the house. They went up onto the roof and they uh, ripped the roof <coughs> apart and they let him down. Now, um, we won't go into that, but the point I want to make is simply this. Where would you expect to find the best of people? 
Where would you expect it? Would it not be where Jesus was? Is that not where you would expect to find the best of people? And yet, they didn't go to that door and say, excuse me, can you move and, and let us in? No. They looked past the flesh and to Christ alone. And to Christ alone. They didn't come and say, well, you know, the best of these people, they've come to hear Jesus, so but obviously the, the, they'll be the best of people and they'll help us if they can. No, they didn't. Because they were able to look past the flesh and look to Christ alone. <coughs> they believed on him. And that's what it means to cleave. We must, Christ alone, we must believe on him. We must believe on the biblical Christ, of course. Or we'll be back into our fantasy Christianity again. The biblical Christ. And they believed on him. And that's why they died for him. That's why the apostles were martyred for him. Because they were able to look past the flesh. They believed on him. And that was an ongoing process in their life. To look past the flesh. Not only forsaking themselves, but looking past the flesh. Looking and believing on Christ alone. He manifested for his glory. What an impact it had on their lives. This wasn't just an add-on This was something that defined them for the rest of their lives. Does that define you? Being a believer on Christ, does that define you? I'm not talking about your office or the work you do or the family you belong to. These things can all define us. Is it preeminently true of you that you are a believer on Christ? Wouldn't that be a good thing to be said of us? And they, be and they believed <coughs> on him. Well, you see, that comes to pass when Christ manifests forth his glory. As we have here in John chapter 2, he manifested forth his glory. Well, may it be so with each and every one of us this day. May the Lord bless his word to us. Let us pray. <coughs> o Lord our God, we do thank thee for thy holy word. And we thank thee that there are so many things we don't know. And we are thankful that it is so. 
for our knowledge of our own ignorance is a helpful thing. But we thank thee if we have a knowledge of thee at all. For it is because of thy grace and mercy to us in our poor and lowly condition of the manifesting forth of the glory of Christ. Oh, bless thy word to us this day, we pray. May it be an effectual means of grace to us. And may it please thee, Lord, to take away that which was said or done, which is of the flesh. We pray that it would fall to the ground and that which may be in accordance with thy mind and will. We pray that it would strive with us by thy spirit to thy glory and praise. Part us with thy blessing as we sing our parting praise and gather us again this evening in thy gracious providence we ask that we might indeed sing of thy mercies and give thee the glory. Forgive all our sins we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, let us conclude singing in Psalm 36. Psalm 36 at verse 5. Four stanzas, verses 5 to 9. Thy mercy, Lord, is in the heavens. Thy truth doth reach the clouds. Thy justice is like mountains great. Thy judgments deep as flood. Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How precious is thy grace. Therefore, in shadow of thy wings, men's sons their trust shall place. Verses 5 to 9, to God's praise. Thy mercy, Lord, is in the
understand that these are the intimations. The evening service will be here at the usual time of 6.30. The prayer meeting on Thursday the 4th of May at the usual time of 7.30 and will be taken by Mr. Derek Gillis. The services next Lord's Day at the usual times of 11 a.m. and 6.30. The preacher expected is the Reverend Gordon Mayer. Now there is advance notice given to you of a congregational meeting combined with the annual general business meeting will take place on the 11th of May at 7.30. It would be very much appreciated if as many people as possible could attend this important meeting. Now these are all the intimations at the moment and they are of course all subject to the will of God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.